if you ask me, I think Black Lives Matter just brought it back to that point. And I've always, and something I learned was like pride parades have always been political. Like what they're doing is radical. They're challenging something in the face of, they're challenging being who they are in a, in a society that kind of is now starting to get more accepting with people being gay and people being trans, like all of these things. Um, but a couple of years ago, it wasn't, it wasn't like that. Hey friends, welcome to the 11th episode of the Tell Stories Make Friends podcast with me, Kevin Unger. I can't believe we are already on week 11. It's crazy to think how fast this has all flown by. Now this week, I got to sit down and talk with Chris Lawrence. Chris Lawrence is a phenomenal social, social justice activist. I believe that's a title he gave me, so I'm going to go with that. But we tackled some really important issues today that I think we need to talk about as a society, and it was really, really helpful for me. I learned so much. I just want to make a quick note and say that if you are easily offended by swearing, uh, maybe this episode isn't for you and you can return next week. However, I do want to make sure that you know this conversation is incredibly important and it will be useful for you or maybe for someone you know. So I cannot wait for you to hear this conversation. Thank you for uh, coming over and welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, no problem, man. Okay, so just to get to know you a little bit better, uh, what does life look like to you? Uh, what does family look like? Where are you living? What, what Are you in school? What do you do for work? Like, What does life look like? Life, um, it's not, I, I won't say it's not traditional because I live a very good and privileged life because like I'm a student in university. Um, yeah. But life is, life is interesting. Um, I have mom and dad, obviously. Um, I have two siblings. Both of my sisters are older than me, so I'm the youngest one. Um, I have a pet cat uh, that hates me. Um, besides that, I'm in school. I'm a student studying English and hopefully trying to get a minor in business. But to be honest, I don't want to stay in school that much longer because I'm, I'm pretty ready to yeah. get out. Um, I'm a content creator. I'm a writer. I do many things. I also work in social justice. I'm an activist and I work in social justice. So it's like it's cool because I get to see both sides of it. Um, yeah. And I definitely have a preference of side. Um, yeah. But uh, that's essentially me. Dude, that's awesome. Okay, so you just said a whole lot of things that that I know I want to unpack um, a little bit. But yeah, so you said like activist um, and social, I don't want to butcher it, social justice. So I work in social justice. Okay, yeah. cool. So, okay, what does that mean? So activist to me means is that I'm active in making a social change in the world and things like that and that um, I do work beyond i do work in just very different ways activist is so so hard to define in um like a physical word because there's so many ways that you can carry out activism uh a lot of people think that activism online like using like hashtags and like, all that sort of stuff isn't a thing but hashtags in the past couple years have changed literally the academy awards with april rain and um oscar so white and changing the way that academy awards and things like that happen um so I, I take place in activism in so many different ways. When I say I work in social justice, I work in a social justice center. So I get to do things that are, I get to work in this place where, pardon me, I get to work in a space where education is the foundation of the social justice work that we do. Because while I am in university, something that I hold myself accountable to is knowing that not everybody has the same privilege to be in university, to be getting an education, to sit in lecture halls with 300 people, with professionals that have PhDs that talk about feminist theory and queer theory and all these amazing things that I'm privileged to learn about. Yeah. And to assume that everyone knows what I know is honestly not unacceptable, but it's just not realistic in that way. So which is why yeah. our approach is definitely education first. And then from there, um, unlearning racism, unlearning oppression, unlearning all of those things, because you can't unlearn something if you don't learn something in its place. Yeah. No, that's interesting, man. I love that. That is, that is really cool. Well, Cause I even know like the first time that like 
I was actually on a date with Victoria, and we, we saw you sitting there. You mentioned Devin Allen. I'm like, oh, I know who that is. <laughs> yeah. And you were sitting beside us. I'm like, hey. I hope Victoria you is your wife, by the way. Pardon me? I hope Victoria is your wife. Victoria is my wife. Victoria is my wife. Because I was going to be like, oh, this is going to get awkward. <laughs> 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 no, she, yeah, she is my wife. Don't worry. So, look, we were sitting there, and I was like, hey, I know who Devin Allen is. I'm like, okay. And then I, I, I mean, with when you have Devin Allen in a conversation, you're probably talking about uh, also um, – probably like issues within like black lives matter that kind of thing because like, he's a huge activist for that and so i remember asking you like and you explained for me a little bit when i asked like what is black lives matter and why like yeah so like, i want to start with that like because i know you've told me but that was a while ago but mm-hmm. you can just refresh my and memory. i'm pretty sure that like i had a few drinks in me yeah. so i don't even really remember okay, <laughs> too fair. much okay fair <laughs> enough <laughs> fair so okay so for me and for anyone else uh, that doesn't know or just maybe has the wrong idea of what it is. What is Black Lives Matter? Um, that question is so, is so, so, so loaded, and I really, really hope I don't butcher it, but there's two answers to that. Black Lives Matter, first and foremost, is a movement, and Black Lives Matter is an organization, and those two things aren't the exact same, but they have the same common goal, which is to end anti-black racism in various spaces. To me, I will say Black Lives Matter is essentially the same um, m- meaning and message that we've been fighting for um since martin luther king and like all those times it's simply the exact same movement it's the same premise and it's built on those foundations it's just carried out in a different way where there's no one leader that can be killed off or like any of that like sort of stuff there's no one leader that everything falls apart on where it's like if we just arrest that person then everything falls apart there's no one person where you can pinpoint on um where all this starts there's no there's none of that, which is really different, and it takes place in so many different pla- in so many different ways. There's so many different Black Lives Matter um, groups. There's Black Lives Matter Toronto. There's Black Lives Matter Chicago. Black Lives Matter New York. There's so many different coalitions that organize amongst themselves and challenge racism within their own communities in that way, which is I think amazing in in a yeah. sense because it's not it's people around the world in different places doing groundwork, acknowledging that there's issues in the places where they live and working to fix it in that way. So to me, Black Lives Matter is definitely a movement it's a movement to end anti-black racism it's a movement to end the fact that black people and note that i said people not black men um and i'll get to that yeah. in a second um that black people definitely are disadvantaged and are definitely not treated as 100 percent human in certain different ways and that doesn't just mean black men women lgbtq plus people being killed at rapid and alarming rates but that means the fact that black black men are um, arrested so much more rapidly and there's um, a school to prison pipeline and all of these things that exist that are just disadvantaging and holding like black communities back that's what black lives matter wants to address totally dude there's so much in that. <laughs> oh my gosh so much in that as for so it's to end anti-black racism and you said in that the one thing i caught right away was um there's a black lives matter movement even within toronto yes okay I've heard, and <laughs> I'm nervous. I'm, I'm just like I feel like yeah. I know where this is going. I'm no, for like, sure. Ugh. No, okay. Well, maybe. I mean, I could be. I, I like the first thing I've I've heard a few things. I've heard we don't even know racism here in Canada compared to the states. Is that or is that like is that true or no? Or is it like is that like ignorant mm-hmm. to think that like there's not nearly as much racism in the Canada as there is states? Or is it just in a different form? It's it's. I wouldn't say it's ignorant to say um, that racism doesn't exist in the same ways. Actually, no, screw that. Ooh, I, almost, I almost let us swear. Um, I mean, hey, man, that's fine. I can, I can change the, the rating for the episode <laughs> to explicit, so that's fine. Yeah, it's not ignorant. It is ignorant, but it's not to say that racism doesn't manifest in the same way as it does in the States. It just 
we have two different histories first and foremost in St. Catharines we have Harriet Tubman's like Harriet Tubman was a part of St. Catharines history and things like that so there's yeah. two completely different histories between the two countries and oftentimes when we think of Canada and anti-blackness in Canada we think of well like people aren't being shot by police here and all the things that happen in the states so like how bad can it really be something that I found in Canada is that racism is a lot more subtle um, I've heard that actually. It's, it's a lot, a lot, a lot more subtle. Um, I find that in certain parts of other places in the world, if people don't like, if they just aren't, if they are racist, they're very blatant about it and they're very upfront with it. Yeah. But then in Canada, I've noticed that people are a lot more like subtle in how the racism comes out, or they'll pretend to like you, but you'll hear the racism from like other people, and they'll be like, "Oh, well, they said like X, Y, Z things," and you're just like. Uh, Canada also is like mic- like so many microaggressions as well and that things that general people don't think are racism that sometimes they may think are compliments like saying oh my gosh you're so beautiful for a black girl and it's like yeah that's, that's really like very backhanded exactly and like yeah. there's been times where I've been at work and like there was a guy that was just like oh my goodness your hair reminds me of firecrackers and I was like really like I was just kind of like well like what am, what am I supposed to do with this information yeah. like thank you for like I did I did acknowledge that I was like hey that's kind of offensive and then he was like whoa that's not how I meant it you liberals like are taking things far too and I was just kind of like it was interesting to see that it was being flipped on me because I was like yeah. hey I'm not the one that said it I, I'm just here to make the coffee dude like yeah <laughs> seriously but yeah definitely racism exists in both places I don't think racism should be ranked because I I, I consider like there's no oppression Olympics there's no like gold silver like if there's yeah. oppression there's oppression at the end of the day um it just takes place in 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 different forms that's so fascinating oh my gosh <laughs> yeah man like well that's the thing too because like, i remember why i asked you and i'm so curious just about life and talking to new people and everything and like like i think i've i, I told you that one time we, we first talked was like, i i i can't like that's the thing i when people even in like Okay, where I like in Niagara, it's a very mm-hmm. white area. Mm-hmm. It's like it's white people with a few Asians and very few. <laughs> it's the black community is very small, but like so most of my friends happen to be white, and to hear some of them talk on Black Lives Matter movement, I'm like, well, no, I don't think any of us here are really mm-hmm. qualified to talk about it. Like, I am the walking definition of privilege. Mm-hmm. I, I am a uh, Christian straight white male who has post secondary education. Like, and that's the thing where I'm so curious, and that's why like I love. Being able to talk to you and to someone who's involved in it and knows more about it, and that's the thing I've like. The only the only way to, to learn more is to talk to people who aren't like you, mm-hmm. and like, and I mean like and like the way like their life experience has been different, and like, do you find like even because you said racism in Canada is more subtle, like have you like, because you've lived in Canada your whole life, yes. right? Okay, so has, do you find people have been racist towards you, growing up? Like has that like I because I don't know, right? Like mm-hmm. I I just. I don't. Yeah. I didn't find that people were being racist towards me, but then being like blackness wasn't something that I realized. I, I don't remember when I realized it, but I know I realized I was black like immediately, like when an instance yeah. happened. I'm kind of, I'm trying to think of like what it was. It was something like really something super like minuscule. Like some kids didn't yeah. want to play with me on the playground and were like, no, we don't want to play with you because we're like, you're black. Like something like that. Yeah. But like around that time, it was when I started to realize like, okay, there's something different between like, me and them because I wasn't aware of like um, race and like things like I'm probably talking like in grade three so like yeah. I'm just like I'm literally studying for my EQAO test I have no yeah. clue about like the way the world actually um, 
works. And I tell people, like, um, I also wasn't always this educated or um, aware of things that went on. Back in high school, I was incredibly ignorant. Like, I was probably one of the mm. most homophobic, misogynistic, like, people. And people were like, oh, my gosh, no way. And I'm like, yeah, if you go back in my tweets and search a couple words, you'll find some stuff that I haven't deleted. And I haven't deleted them because as an activist and as a social justice person, one, I acknowledge that I did have that past and things like that. And it's like, and if that ever does come up, I'm, I've never pretended that it doesn't exist. I've never pretended to be holier than thou or like anything like that. And I would yeah. say, yeah, like this was like what, how I thought. And it took me being called out and like me learning and unlearning all of those things to be like, okay, well, that's not cool. Yeah. Um, but I definitely have seen racism definitely towards me since moving to St. Catharines I had a racial encounter um, at the bus terminal and I remember tweeting about it and then just like different people um, retweeted it and things like that and it was literally by the time I was on the bus it had got up on the bus from St. Catharines to Toronto which is about an hour and a half for anyone that doesn't take that bus frequently um, it was it had over 200 retweets on Twitter and things like that and it was just kind of like oh okay and the next morning I woke up and I had a I had a direct message from the mayor of St. Catharines that was like I'm really sorry that happened like can you come in and like let's talk about this and we can see how we can sort of like try and um, work through this and like try and discuss how we can make St. Catharines a much safer community and like all that sort of stuff yeah dude that's 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 wild yeah and everything you're saying I'm like oh my gosh question <laughs> after question after question you said um, not just black men I said black people and I'll get mm -hmm. back to that what did you mean by that now there's this assumption that Black Lives Matter is just for black men um, because it's like we hear the Trayvon Martins, we hear the Mike Browns, we hear all of those like black, yeah. like notorious pivotal moments within the Black Lives Matter movement that have shaken people to their cores. Um, we see like Philando Castile, like that being Facebook live streamed and all like that incident happening. Yeah. Um, but oftentimes we don't focus on the fact that trans women are being killed as well and people that are queer and like within these different intersectional communities that coincide within blackness also face these issues as well and um they aren't acknowledged as much and a lot of people sometimes especially um within certain black communities homophobia and queerphobia and just all of those things are such a big thing yeah and that'll somehow and some people will try and justify that someone's life isn't worth as someone's life isn't worth as much of a living because of their um, sexuality and that's not the case if someone is black it doesn't matter their life matters if someone is black whether they're educated as I am in school and things like that or someone lives in the projects of New York their their life still matters regardless no like something that's really popular that a lot of people have brought up is the whole okay well black lives matter no all lives matter mm -hmm. so why is black lives matter so important opposed to all lives matter mm -hmm. black lives matter is direct and it's yeah. meant to make people feel uncomfortable and it's meant to make people focus on what the issue at hand is and all lives matter for me is kind of like a scapegoat and it's kind of like a thing to make white people feel a little bit more comfortable because focusing on the fact that there's an issue within black lives and racism and all these things it makes people very panicky and uncomfortable and god forbid white people feel uncomfortable um <laughs> and realistically when I think of activism and social justice, my words aren't supposed, my words, it's not that my words aren't supposed to be um, comforting and coddling or any of that sort yeah. of thing. It's just that what I'm talking about, I'm not talking about fairies and, and butterflies and all these things. I'm talking about people being killed. I'm talking about really hard hitting things, regardless of I'm talking about Black Lives Matter or Syrian refugees. These things are, are real and this is the reality for people. I'm not going to beat yeah. around the bush in that way. I'm going to be very direct and say like, hey guys, like, no, there's a problem. Like Black Lives Matter Every time I've heard All Lives Matter, it's in a direct response. And you can, you can, when I see it, when I hear it in person, you can tell that the person feels uncomfortable in that way and that they're just trying to like make it better. And it's divisive. 
yeah. in that way. And people say that Black Lives Matter is divisive, but if Black, if all lives really, really mattered, then you wouldn't have a problem with saying Black Lives Matter or trans lives matter or all, all of these things. If all mm. of these lives mattered, then they would be encompassed in Black Lives Matter. But looking over history, Black lives have not been mad. Black lives haven't mattered. Black li- Black people were slaves. Black people go to jail at alarming rates. Black people go to jail for 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 a couple grams of weed, while while white counterparts are, are running drug rigs and things like yeah. that, and are, and are being praised for it on, on on media outlets and things like that. Um, and Black men are getting like ten years in jail for a couple grams of weed. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Like when you think of it, um, they're getting such long times, like life sentences for literally like marijuana. Yeah, that's that's nuts. <laughs> Not that I'm saying that I, I promote marijuana or par- paraphernalia or anything like that, but when you look at like on the actual like drug scale of things, marijuana is one of like the lowest of the low like drugs. Yeah, and even countries exactly in provinces and states are starting to legalize it. Exactly. That. Yeah, that that's crazy. And it's interesting you said like uh, I like how you said like oh forbid that white people feel uncomfortable. Well, that's even like one of the things I heard recently, which. Is which I, yeah, I'd love to hear what, even what you think on it. Is where it says like oftentimes uh, oppression uh, to the people who are in power feels or sorry, um, like equaling like equaling out the playing field to a lot of people uh, who, to the people who are in power f- mm-hmm. often feels like oppression. Mm-hmm. And it's one of the things where white people have always been like, no, like we're in charge, and now it's like no, everyone's equal. And, and it creates that like fear because they're like, whoa, like possible like marginalization coming and to me it's just kind of like you know that there's an issue with being marginalized and that's why you're scared that's why there's people yeah. in my dms all the time talking about white genocide and it's like it's not a thing um when mm. they see like gap uses like a mixed race couple they'll be like wow white genocide they're just after to kill us the aryan race is gonna fall apart and like all of the, all of these things that like you laugh but it's like yeah. this is like this is the reality some mornings i wake up and i'm literally just like i feel like gaslit because I'm like, is this actually like a thing? Like, am I losing my mind? Or like, it was like people like actually believe these things, yeah. um, like really, really firmly. That yeah, like, and that's that's interesting. Like, why do you think there's so much? Is it why do you think there's so much fear? Is it just because they don't like they they don't want to be marginalized or they think they're mm-hmm. going to be marginalized? And like, do you I think feel that's what it is. Or I feel like be, I feel like because people know what this what it feels like to be disadvantaged in some sort of way and when you look at the struggles that people of color or other marginalized groups have because of race class like all of these other systems knowing that they kind of want to even up the playing field i feel like they think that it means that we're going to bring them all down to like the same level that like other like marginalized people are on and that's honestly not really the intention we just literally want to even up the playing field so that people who have all the, like people who've been handed everything on a plate simply just have to work and people yeah. that don't have that advantage simply get like a couple steps up so that it's easier for them to do things that they haven't been able to do because they've been inaccessible if they can't go to school like making just making these things accessible and that that threatens people for some reason to me and i, I don't i don't understand yeah that makes sense i mean like it's interesting too because studies have even shown that when communities have the community mentality and not it's not oh everyone for themselves or we are this group you're that group when everyone is in it together, communities thrive. Exactly. Like studies have consistently exactly. shown that. And so that's that's really interesting. Yeah, like, because I mean, I don't think maybe it's not necessarily as loud in Canada, but yeah, like it must it must be there, right? Exactly. And that's the thing too. You even were talking about changing how you, you were ignorant uh, to to the the problems that are going on, but and obviously you've changed, and you you said kind of the steps of changing, but like, how do you make someone? change who who doesn't even realize it the thing with the older generation that bothers me so much and i honestly sometimes i'm like if i have the energy and i have the time like 
it's I'm more than happy to like have like a, a discussion about like you know what these things are cool, but then they're always like, oh, these fucking liberals, like, oh my goodness, they're so politically correct, yeah. and like, all these things, and it's not about being politically correct, and they'd be like, back in the olden days, like, we used to make jokes about, like, all these things, and it's like, well, you know what? People don't want to be at, people don't want to be on the receiving end of jokes anymore, because it kind of hurts, and it kind of feels, it, it hurts, and it's like, yeah. you know what? Time time has changed, and it has nothing to do with sensitivity or, like, any of that sort of stuff. We're fine, like, we, our generation has gone through, we've gotten through a lot, so yeah. I think, We'll be, we'll be okay um, but with dealing with the older generation and their stubbornness at times I definitely think that if someone doesn't want to change they won't um, and something you always hear is the excuses well like I was raised this way and like all of, all of like these things and like that's cool but like you can you can be you can be raised in the jungle and still come back and like live in a city if you simply just learn yeah. the steps onto like leaving the jungle behind and coming back and living and moving back into like the real world in that way and i'm not saying that people who like have that mindset live in the jungle or like any of that sort of stuff whether they're like savages or any of that sort of thing but definitely it's all about first and foremost education because you have to educate someone on why what they're saying is wrong you have to educate someone on um what the root of the word means and it's like it was taken from this and blah 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 do you still want to keep perpetuating these stereotypes and this connotation because you can't separate that word just because slavery doesn't exist doesn't mean the n-word suddenly doesn't carry those same things anymore yeah um education and then honestly at the end of the day if you if you tell someone if i explain to someone if i make a video about this is what this means or any of that sort of thing and someone chooses to like be ignorant at that point because it's like you've you've been provided the information and if you just kind of want to from that point it's really your own conclusion like whether you want to make a change and start unlearning the problematic behavior that you've been um doing or you kind of just want to be like well you know what i was raised like this so like i think that this is just always how i'm gonna be and to me that's just an excuse and that's just lazy in that way it's 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 lazy to say the most to say the least in that way just because it shows that you're not willing to make a change and that you're stubborn and you're very stuck in your ways and to be honest that's fine i don't i mean i'm not going to blame you for anything like that but don't get upset when i keep calling you out on it yeah no that's that's totally fair i think too like even to add on to your point like yeah education is so important right but even like yeah there has to be grace i think like on both ends of okay you were raised like this. Clearly, you just don't get it. And that's mm-hmm. where the education comes in. Like, and just having grace for them. As much as they have to have grace for the person who, like, because our generation is, in a lot of ways, saying to our grandparents, you can't say that or you can't you can't act like that. And, they're, and like, they're getting mad at us. So we have, they have to have just as much grace for yeah, us. Yeah, they're like, how ma- dare you say I can't offend people? Yeah. Yeah. But, <laughs> really. Like, that's what that's, I mean, that's really what they're doing. But they just don't get it, right? It's like, oh, you just don't understand. And as soon as they understand, it's like, oh, like, I once was blind, but now I see, right? Exactly. Like, like that's the whole idea. So, I mean, I think there has to be grace on both ends. But people have, yeah, you're right. If you don't want to change it, you're not going to. Like, people always say, like, you can bring, like, the horse to the water, but, like, you can't. You literally can't make the horse drink. So, it's, yeah. like, I always think of that. I can literally, I can go to the end of the world with all the information. I can make videos. I can bring resources. I can read all the academic papers and, and do everything within my power. And if you choose not to change at that point, like, it's it's not it's not my fault yeah. in that way. How can, like, someone who's figuring it out end up making a difference, like, within their friends? If they're still figuring it out, I mean, like, like just, it would just be simply calling out their friends saying, yo, that's not cool. Mm-hmm. Right, like, would it be that, or is like, you should you like, like where, like where are the first steps to actually like wanting to change? If someone's like, oh, okay, like, I mean, to me, like, to me, it's mind-boggling that people can actually think, like, I mean, obviously there is differences between race, but like to think that, like, 
one's better than the other. That's that doesn't make sense in exactly. my mind. And I mean, I I think our generation was raised for that not to make sense because we're like, oh, we're all people, whatever. Exactly. That's cool. Because it's like when you when you look at kids, kids can't really tell kids or kids will be like, oh, you're black. That's cool. I'm white. And kids generally yeah. won't understand that. Kids don't understand the concept. Kids don't not even. I'm just gonna say, kids don't understand social constructs when they're kids because no. it's just like, oh, yeah. you like boys? That's so cool and things like that. But then it's yeah. like when you get to people and like, no, that person likes boys. That's not good. And it's when that starts being put in their mind, that's when they start constructing like, whoa, there's something wrong with them being yeah. gay. There's something wrong with that person being black. And that's when that's so because when you look at kids, kids are so innocent and don't they're not born like no one's born racist when you think of it. It's yeah. that sort of thing. Hate is learned. Like, exactly. Learned. It's 100 yeah. percent learned and nurtured into a child. Um, and that's sad to me. It really is. I don't remember what the question was. Yeah, dude, oh, man, I'm like, I think, okay, so yeah, I think, <laughs> just to, to backtrack that, I think what I was saying as I stumbled through that was how, like, what, like, because you're saying education, but like for someone who's, who... Oh, yes, yes, Yeah, because yes. like I'm saying, like, how it's mind-boggling that anyone, like, because our generation was raised to, for, for that not to make sense. Yeah. Um, but for even, like, let's say, even if they were um, born in an area or the, like with the family views that or like even just the the undertone of there is differences in whites better or what or even like this race is better or this race is worse like how like where do you even start if you don't have someone like for example i went and saw you at a cafe and then i just asked you about um like why about black lives matter mm-hmm. like if you don't have that like where do you even start because getting started is the hardest part so getting started how? getting started is hard um believe it or not one thing that i always tell people is i'm like Google is so free. Like Google is one of the greatest resources that we have yeah. right now. And it's like, you can simply just bling, 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 put some words in and find resources that are written by people that have a little experience and like all of these things that can give you a framework. And I think that while they're, while it's important to have someone to do like, to like bring resources to you, like where, where if I make videos and like things like that, while that's important, yeah. it's also really important to do your own research as well and to learn things on your own because it's not up, to the marginalized people to like educate people who aren't marginalized and all that sort of stuff because that's a lot of emotional labor yeah. and sometimes talking about racism all the time is kind of like it's very daunting but definitely yeah. doing doing your own work as well even if you're learning from someone like me if someone's listening to this and learning but like moving from here and like doing their own work and learning about things in more depth because i can say something like misogynoir and people aren't going to know what that means they're going to be like oh that's that that's something but that's just like yeah anti-black racism that goes to black women from other people of color oh that's what okay. that is yes yeah, I, was, um, I, didn't, I didn't know i was gonna ask you what that meant yeah no so. i'm pretty sure what i'm pretty sure that's what that means the last time i looked it up um but also people need to get out of the mindset that you have to be liked um once i started realizing yeah. that i didn't care if no not even that i didn't care but i don't care to be liked as much as i care to be alive and that I care to have my life be valid and that I care to have other black people's lives be valid and for them to be seen. Um, being liked by my peers and being liked by my coworkers and all that sort of stuff quickly became secondary to all that. I'm not even gonna say secondary, quickly became, it just fell off the map because that wasn't, yeah. I didn't, at first I was so scared because I was like, what if people think I'm too feministy? What if people think I'm too radical and like all these things that, that's always, that still is an underlying fear that I have because I'm like, what if people think all these things for me? But at the end of the day, I'm like, look, there's much bigger things that that I need to be focusing on besides being liked by people. At the end of the day, there are people that are going to be liked and there's going to be people that aren't going to be liked. I'd rather be not liked for doing social justice work and, cha- and making change in this world than being liked for being like a carbon, not a carbon, but being like a cut, a caricature of like a typical, not typical, but like 
a black person trying to fit in with the white crowd and like not talking about these issues and like all that sort of stuff because like at the end of the day if racism comes back (laughs) i'm i'm like not if racism comes back if slavery comes back like yeah dang man well dude even like with what you just said there it's like well do i value being liked or do i value my life exactly yeah exactly and something <laughs> something that, that yeah I, that's that's powerful yeah that's and powerful so i remember hearing when i was at the pride parade um this past pride parade was my first one and it was definitely obviously the most impactful one because it was the one where black lives matter stopped the parade to list their demands and all that sort of stuff and like even that we can get to we can get into that a little bit more because i've been asked about that so many times uh mm. since last june um but that was one of the most powerful things. And I remember a couple of days ago, I was looking past on videos because I was making um, a video about it. And I was looking past on um, videos that happened during the stop that were there because I wasn't there. Okay. Um, and I didn't even know that the parade was stopped until like I got home from the parade that night because there was so many things happening. And I was making yeah. a video there. And there was so much going on. Um, but one of the things that someone said was, like, you may think that like this stop is inconvenient, but like you need to realize that like we can't live without our lives. Like without our lives like we're dead and like this is what we want you to see like we stopped the parade for like 20 30 minutes and people were like booing and saying move that bus but it was like it was interesting to see that like we could be in a space saying something incredibly valid saying that like you know what our lives matter and we've been ignored by pride toronto and things like that and people were just like no pride parade where's the rainbows like i want to see people dancing in booty shorts and like stuff like that and it was kind of like for me like researching it and whatnot it was a stroke it, I didn't struggle with it. I definitely understood why, but it took it. It just showed like a lot of people didn't understand the origins of pride parades and all of that sort of stuff because they started with pride parades started with riots and demanding rights, demanding more rights for LGBTQ plus people and all of these things. And it wasn't always a pretty happy we're gonna throw beads and things like that. And there's not there's nothing wrong with that, but that's yeah. not how it always was. People were were hurt. People were arrested. People people's lives literally changed at at these riots. Um, and if you ask me, I think Black Lives Matter just brought it back to that point. And I've always, and something I learned was like pride parades have always been political. Like what they're doing is radical. They're challenging something in the face of, they're challenging being who they are in a, in a society that kind of is now starting to get more accepting with people being gay and people being trans, like all of these things. Um, but a couple of years ago, it wasn't, it wasn't like that. Yeah. So it's always been radical. It's always been political. Um, yeah. But something that I often heard about like that stop, that kind of, was making me a little like aggy and just like on edge was people were like it wasn't their place to stop the parade and things like that and for me it was like well like these are like black people that are fighting for the lives of like black queer like youth and things like that and it's like they weren't fighting for like we don't want pride parade to like do this anymore but they were fighting for legitimate things to have more funding to have asl interpreters to have to be able to support their own youth and things like that and people truly thought that it wasn't their place and that kind of for me was it was very, very telling of a lot of things that it was just kind of like, even when we're fighting like for ourselves, like within this community, there's still that like, that anti-blackness and like not acceptance yeah. of like black queer youth. So for me, it was definitely like very, very telling. And um, I definitely lost a lot of friends like over that and just having like a differing opinion because a lot of people were just like, no, this was a day where I was supposed to feel happy. How dare you make me think about like racism and like the issues that exist within Pride Toronto when like I just wanted to come here and feel happy and like, go home and feel like yes i did something great with my life yes queen um and it was like there's so much there was so much more to it um and now even knowing that that happened i personally think it was probably like one of the greatest things that happened in my lifetime so far yeah that's 
that's so fascinating because even yeah, like yeah, you felt uncomfortable. Or they, these, some people felt uncomfortable for twenty minutes, thirty minutes. Exactly. Well, what about the people who feel uncomfortable their entire life? They've been feeling uncomfortable for years. They were saying yeah. that we've been we presented pride with these things for for years, and they've been ignored and they've been brushed to the side. So now, like, we need these things to like be acknowledged. And this was one of the ways that it was acknowledged. And it's like you were uncomfortable for twenty minutes. I think you're gonna be okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, especially for people, it's like, do you get it? Like, exactly. Over twenty minutes, you were so that mad. Okay, because you you weren't happy. Now multiply that by however much. Exactly. And that's and then make that your life. It's uncomfortable. Exactly. It sucks. And yeah, that's so fascinating. But that okay. Now that leads to another question I, I had was: Is it tougher to be? Um, is there whether it's tougher or like there's more racism in the queer community for people who are black as well, black and queer people? I know what you mean. To an extent, I can speak on the experience, but like as someone that's not queer, like yeah. I don't have the lived experience. True, yeah. But it's kind of like a um, the way that intersectionality works is that it's like when you have like different marginalized things, it's not like they all add on essentially. Yeah. So it's like you can like I'm like black man, but like me, my blackness um, is like marginalization but at the end of the day i'm still a man but then you can have black women where it's like those are two things because that's two intersectional ways that people are disadvantaged and then it's like you can have like black women that's also a lesbian um or that is queer in any like sort of way so then it's like it definitely does marginalize you further yeah in a way um so it definitely i will say that in my opinion it, it does get harder because you're marginalized in so many different ways and the fight is so much harder because it's like while you may tr- while you may not suffer from like one area as much, you'll suffer from another. Yeah. Um, so to the experience, I I, I want to say, I believe so. Um, but it's not my experience, and I can't really speak on any experience that's other than my own because as like a black man, I still do hold so much privilege. Yeah. And the only thing that really does affect me in ways is my my blackness. That's about it. Yeah, I understand that you're saying blackness in in skin color, but like what like is that like a bigger term than just skin color? Is that like culturally too or or um. Because you said that a few times now. Yeah, I think blackness. T- well, blackness to me means well, like, it's more than just my skin color. This is like my identity, and it's like, yeah. Um, sometimes when I used to hear the word like blackness, I used to be like, oh my god, blackness. I used to think it was like something that was like bad, but it's like my me being black is like my identity. Like it's become like who I am, whether because like I'm a black man that has dreads, and like it's it's just yeah, who, no, totally, it's, yeah. It's who I am um, as a person. So when I say like my blackness, I kind of like refer to like the fact that like. Like, I am a black man, um, and I'm proud to be a black yeah. man and things like that. And, like, a lot of people – there are people that aren't aren't proud of their blackness, and there's that's why, like, skin bleaching is so big in so many countries and, like, all, like, this sort of <sighs> stuff because there's still that underlying um, internal racism even within black communities that, that there's um, there's um, benefit to having lighter skin and things like that. And um, so blackness definitely has different meanings for different people, but to me that's, that's what it means. Really. Totally. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it's, it's really fascinating. And that's so sad, too, because people, like, want to bleach their skin or bleach their hair or straighten their hair when they have, like, naturally curly hair. Because, yeah, like, I mean, at the end of the day, we are – there are differences amongst cultures and 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 everything. But, like, it's, it's something to be celebrated. It's like, yeah, exactly. we're different. But, like, it's really hard to hate someone when they're, you're too busy being your their friend, right? Mm-hmm. And, so, yeah, I know. I just, I just find that so fascinating. But even, like, to get – possibly uh, on a little bit lighter note too is even you i saw on because you've written a few articles for huffington post which is yeah. super cool thank you yeah thank no you. problem man so uh one of the articles was 
uh, I okay, I might butcher the title, but you'll get what I'm talking about. Is uh, how to be a better ally in oh yeah, 2017 you said, you said or 2016. Okay, cool. Yeah, sweet, how to be a sweet. Ally in didn't even okay, perfect. Didn't even quote it. Awesome. Um, but yeah, so okay, so what is like being an ally mean and like who is that directed to and like what groups is that for an ally is really anybody yeah. um that supports a group but doesn't that isn't within that group so i'm a man that supports feminism but i don't have the lived experience that women have that are disadvantaged by patriarchy and disadvantaged by the different um levels of feminism so yeah. for me what it means when i say being a better ally if i can remember like the points that i made because that was the first that was actually the first piece that i wrote perfectly post um and it did it did really well and it made me happy um things that i had was just like listen because you can't it not it's not that you can't it just becomes very problematic when you're speaking over another group and you don't even have that lived experience because it's just like you're just adding white noise to the thing and it, it it it's we don't need that it's like we have like we can have queer people talk about their issues without having a cis a cisgender heterosexual person talking about like queer people face this we can literally just amplify those voices because that's that's what being an ally is giving yeah. platform to um people who are marginalized to, to give voice to their issues and things like that and being there to support them and if you have the privilege to um to help out like those like smaller like marginalized like people like that being an ally is helping them in that way um, being an ally is not wearing a safety pin um, and letting someone know that like if something's happening I'll be there for you and things like that because you're kind of that's like showmanship to me you're kind of like yeah. look I'm helping but like, you're not actually like doing anything is the thing you're kind of just like if a racism is if something's supposed to happen and you feel the need to have an ally just look around on this like train and find a safety pin because like I'll be there for you and it's just like we shouldn't have to look for allies allies should make themselves known through their work like um something I used to say was i'm like yeah i'm a feminist i'm a, such a huge feminist but i realized that like i don't need to say that i'm a feminist but like the work that i do can speak for itself yeah yeah i get what you're saying and um yeah so that's something that um that's big and something else Al people need to know that ally is just a title ally yeah. is just like christopher it's just my name it's just something that you can go by however if you don't do things that allies do if you don't do the work if you don't support if you don't show up when you need to show up then you're not really an ally you're kind of just like you're just there yeah in that sense you're White just noise, there yeah. exactly you're there taking up space at, at rallies if you're not there like protecting people like doing these things um it's not allyship a problem that i've noticed so much especially um when it comes to event things happening especially with the with the muslim ban in the states um a lot of protests in toronto were popping up yeah and they're popping up very very quickly and for me, it's amazing to see that there are people that want to help. However, people that have the exact lived experience and trans people, not trans people, oh my gosh, people of color, and all of these people that would be the targets at things like rallies, the people that are the most vulnerable were not consent, were not consented, were not consulted, and all of these things. And it was kind of just like feel good activism. And feel good activism is just like, yeah, look, we're going to go here. We're not going to, we're not going to like talk to the police or anything. We're not going to have anyone that's like a first responder in case anything happens. We're just going to yeah. go. And whatever happens, happens. And that's not the way that protests should work. A lot of protests that I've been to, like Slut Walk in Toronto, is planned for months before it actually takes place. And it's thought through from having speakers, it's thought through from having indigenous communities acknowledge the land that we're on because that's incredibly important yeah um especially in canada little things like that that are just constantly overlooked as like secondary but that's not allyship to me that is just that's like feel good feminism like look we want to do things like we want to wear safety pins and we want to help and like all of that like 
And it's like, I get that you want to help, but your help is misguided. Yeah. To an extent. Um, because the reality is, like, at protest, people of color are the ones that are arrested first and all of these things. We're the ones that are seen as aggressive and, like, and that's not necessarily the case. We could be literally just walking and holding a sign and police are going to start, not even just police, but there are people at protest that will stir the pot and that want to cause tension, like, all of these things um, that just don't have the same intentions as everybody else. So being an ally is so much more than calling yourself an ally. Being an ally isn't speaking over people. Being an ally is doing your own research. Like, do your own work. Um, don't expect someone that's marginalized. Don't expect people online. Something that I get all the time is, hey, Chris, can you make this video about, like, XYZ thing? Don't expect someone to be your attack dog because depending on what it is, like, you make a video. I made a video about, like, giving Donald Trump a chance. Like, when he first got in office, I was like, you know what? I'm going to see where things go. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave it alone. And it, it, last, it lasted like three days, believe it or not. But like, <laughs> even like on that, like people just commenting like, you know what? You should really make a video about like these things. And like at the end of the day, that video has had so many trolls in all of my social media and all of these things. And it's like, you're, you're willingly, you're willing to subject someone to this to like give, to give voice to like something that, and, and the things sometimes I had no clue what they were. So it's like, when yeah. you think of the amount of time that I have to go in researching something and like all this sort of stuff, you can literally just tweet about it yourself. Yeah. Um, so not expecting people to do work for you, but like being be willing to do work um, uh, yourself and acknowledge that like, hey, the more voices there are in conversations, the bigger things are, the more conversations we'll be having, the more change we can actually do instead of my voice. My voice gets annoying. Like I'm sure <laughs> people who are going to be listening to this are just going to be like, oh my gosh, he's so nasally. Um, but like, yeah, being an ally is so much more than just calling yourself an ally. Yeah, it's, it's getting down in the dirt. Exactly. Them, right? It's like you can't, you can't want to like you can't want to rob a bank but not get your hands dirty. Yeah, is the thing. You're gonna have to like get in there and like do something. Yeah, no, for sure. That's a ter- I think that's. I mean, it's a funny example. It's a funny example considering know, everything like, we've been talking about. Exactly, I'm not yeah. robbing banks yeah. or anything, but like it's it's the, it's the truth. You yeah, I know for sure. Yeah, you can't achieve like some sort of gain without being willing to 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 do anything. You can't. Yeah. You can't get from one. You can't get from one place in your life to another place if you're not willing to move your feet. Dude, essentially. Yeah, no, I totally, I totally agree with that. Oh, oh. cool. No, we get, we are good. Awesome, man. So, at the end of shows, I love to ask people three questions before we wrap it up. So, without further ado, question number one: What makes you passionate about what you love? I love a lot of things, so I'm gonna break that up into two things. Yeah. Um, I love creating content, so that's one thing that um, I love doing. The one thing I love about that makes me passionate about something is taking like a 45-minute video that I've shot and I've made mistakes in and I've said things wrong in and I've had to say certain phrases like 45 times yeah. and compiling it down to four minutes after editing and like coming out with like a final product that like you like you like and that you're eager to share with people and that you're eager to like mm-hmm. put on Facebook and you're eager to like just like have exist in the world even though like no one may ever watch it but just knowing that like you took something that was once this one thing and you changed it to another thing and um you can just see like a finished product and with social justice something that makes me really passionate is when you see change take place and when you see um people's mindsets being changed and when you see people starting to think differently when you see someone that you've called out starting to like learn from like that like that makes me passionate and it's not like like i i don't i don't like look i don't like calling people out like all the time because yeah. like, a lot of people think that's what i do when i say like i'm an activist they're like oh you're one of those and it's like no that's not that's not what i do but like even those things are when when i participate in panels and when, when i have workshops just hearing people say that like your perspective on things really like made me realize things like that's yeah. something for me that's like that really makes me passionate in that yeah. sense dude i love that that's that awesome sweet man so 
Question number two. Uh, reflection is such an amazing tool. So with that said, what has the last year looked like for you? Rough. Definitely rough. Okay. Um, I had a breakup. I had so much happen uh, in second semester of my second year. Um, I found out I have anxiety, and that for me was scary because I didn't know what to do. So it was yeah. definitely... It was definitely rough because I felt like at so many times that like life was like out to get me. And while I was doing so well in like certain areas of life, I felt like I was failing in like other places. And then that would cause so much more anxiety. And it just felt really, really stagnant in other places. So it definitely was rough and scary. But um, even the start of this year alone has definitely been um, interesting. It's been very, very different from how my last year started. Last year, I ended off with going to Buffer Festival in Toronto and things like that. And that was a convention. Not It was a very unconventional um, thing because it's not every day that you get into a party and Jenna Marbles is there and things like that. And yeah. Jenna Marbles touches you. And I told everyone, I was like, y'all, when Jenna Marbles touches you, your life goes so differently. Um, <laughs> because like even looking at how like I took I took a break from YouTube and things like that just to like recollect myself and like refigure out like what I want to be doing and like how I want to be doing this and making this different from other people and how I want to go about being doing social justice because I'm like I don't want to be that angry person that's just like ranting about like all these things or anything like that I yeah. wanted to like make something that has substance and things that can be taken away and things that open conversations um and even like looking how like even after Buffer Festival just like getting in getting in touch with my new my current network now and like all of like that sort of stuff and just being able to do things like right for the Huffington Post and like have such an amazing support system that I have now is fantastic so um last year it was definitely rough but it was kind of one of those things that I personally think is like diamonds are made like under pressure like it ha you like it had to have that pressure in the year because it's like I I, I personally think that whatever is coming this year I simply just wasn't strong enough for yeah um so it's like you had I had to go through everything that I went through with my family and like all that sort of stuff I had to go through it really really quickly together because when I think of um family issues and like my breakup with my with my ex-girlfriend and like all like that sort of stuff they happened so quickly together um yeah and I kind of was just like timing timing was off timing was terrible but now I look at it as it had it had to happen for whatever or whoever i'm like becoming in life in that way and it's like i had no clue um i'm excited but i'm scared um because i'm like well, all of that like this is, sort of, yeah. this is this is for making someone better man i couldn't like break a leg or something <laughs> yeah no, for sure but you know I, I love that though how you said diamonds are made under pressure and it's cool it's how yeah you said this was rough this sucked but there is hope and like even with like uh being an activist and in social justice, you're saying, listen, like what is happening isn't right, but there is hope. Let's start that conversation. Let's open it up. Although starting a conversation doesn't necessarily solve the problem, it, it starts the conversation, exactly. right? And like, it that's the beginning. It gets people talking. And yeah. it's like, when you look at anything, it's like people like, at the end of the day, like when you get people talking, like that, that, that will change so much stuff. That'll, that'll have an impact. Like the, there was a woman who wore like a make Donald Trump, make America great again, dressed to the, the Grammy awards and stuff like that. And before that, like, no, I had never heard who she was and she did that. And Trump supporters were like, yeah. And then her album went from like spot, like 300 on iTunes to like number one. Yeah. So it's like, if you get people talking, things will happen. Yeah, exactly. No, it's true. Yeah. Whether, whether you, you like something or you don't, if people are taught, people will still be talking about it. So yeah, starting a conversation is so, so important. So with all of that said, we have one last question. So that's question number three. So what do you think is the best way to love someone? unconditionally okay really um love is so subjective and it's like i love people but i love them in so many like different ways but i think that there's love isn't something that's like a uh one size fits all yeah thing. it's not a condom 
Um, (laughs) (laughs) It's definitely love takes place in so many different ways, whether it be me saying I love you to my best friends or things like that, or just like checking in on someone that I haven't spoken to in a long time. It's like, that's out of love. Whether it be me calling out people that that could be out of love. Like, Hey, I can't have you out in these streets. Like when you're thinking like that, cause like, dude, I'm coming to you as someone that loves you. Yeah. Maybe you shouldn't be doing that. Love takes place in in so, in so many ways, um, but I think the best way to love someone is just unconditionally. And it, it if you want to love someone, just like love them. Like, sp- I think the whole like being scared to say I love you to people thing is kind of just like annoying in that sense. Because like I tell a lot of my best friends that I love them and things like that, like all the time. Um, because I generally like I do love them. I care about my best friends. I care about my friends' days. Like I want to like hear these things. And it's like even if we don't talk like all the time, just like little like texts like hey like just so you know like you're on my mind and i hope that you're doing well because like everyone has social media now so like you yeah. can see everything everyone's doing so it's like oh, you yeah. don't really need to talk anymore but it's to be like <laughs> hey man i saw that you have a te- i saw you have a test today just just so you know like i'm thinking of you i hope it all goes well yeah and things like that but like love can take place in so many forms like even without saying the word love like just like showing things like checking in on someone like all of that yeah. sort of stuff but uh to me the best way is like unconditionally like without hesitation without like any of that stuff to be like cliche be like love is patient love is kind but like all of like that stuff is so true like just like loving someone mm-hmm. without hesitation because i think if there's hesitation and, you, and you're scared to do something then you, sh- you shouldn't do it just like cpr dude that's awesome i love it so this has been so much fun thank you I, dude thank you so much for talking but before we head out uh where can people find you online online you can find me at chris lawrence uh with lawrence with two a's uh everywhere basically online because uh, uh, you know I'm smart now so all my social media is the same <laughs> <laughs> took me a while to do that too took me a while to do that too. oh yeah someone had Chris Lawrence with one A so I was like ah come on so then I had to, I had to add two A's but um, yeah awesome man that's and where then, I live sweet and then where can people find your articles uh, Huffington Post slash author slash Christopher Lawrence because someone had Chris Lawrence and they haven't written for like five years but like and they've only written one thing Really? Um, yeah, and but no, they I, I couldn't have it. So uh, I think I think that's what it is. If anything, I'll send you all the links, and you can cool. just like throw them in descriptions and stuff like that. Oh yeah, for sure. Awesome, man. Sweet. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Anytime, man. Anytime. Hey, mom. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Wow, that was that was a crazy impactful conversation. I needed to take a couple minutes to even just gather my thoughts because that was that was such a it was a hard it's a hard conversation to have and I don't feel I'm nearly qualified to talk about it so I'm so thankful and fortunate to have had Chris come over and talk with me today but if you enjoyed our conversation as much as I did then please 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 go send Chris some love watch his videos read his articles not only is he incredibly knowledgeable in the subjects that we covered today he's also just great to listen to great to watch great to read so go check him out it's a win-win for everyone now you can find me, Kevin Unger, on Instagram just by searching Kev Unger. That's K-E-V-U-N-G-E-R. Want to hear more interviews like this? Then make sure you subscribe to the podcast to get new episodes in your ears each and every week. And if you can leave a review of the podcast on iTunes, that would help me out so much. When you leave a review, it makes it way easier for new people to see the podcast and make it so we can have amazing guests on the show, like Chris, each and every week. I'm so excited for you to hear next week's conversation, so I will talk to you next week.